Seven years ago, a man who claimed he was abducted by aliens said that he knew the date that they would show themselves to all of humankind. And that date was just passed into law by the United States Congress. And then we take a look at the theory of video games getting too smart for their own good. What happens when programmers are constantly crafting games 24-7 all around the world? Is there a chance eventually one of them could become self-aware and make you their target? Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. we got a ton of stuff to cover. First off, let's bring in one of our supporters. Give it up. Give it up to William Bertles. William Bertles is walking in. He's drinking milk. I'm running out of stuff for you guys to do as you guys enter Dead Rabbit Central. He's drinking milk. Hopefully you're not lactose intolerant. William actually donated during my Thanksgiving live stream a very generous donation, so I appreciate that. You're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. You can't support the show financially. You know exactly what I'm going to say. It's okay. Just help spread the word about the show. That helps out tremendously. And it's Fan Art Friday, so take a look at this awesome fan art from Twitter. Twitter user named Slappy Sleepy. Slappy Sleepy drew this. I think, actually, I couldn't find this guy on Twitter. But I have in my notes, Slappy Sleepy made this. So awesome. Thank you so much, Slappy Sleepy. William, I'm going to toss you a shovel and a bag of coal. Let's hop in the Carpenter Caboose. We're taking the train to our first story. And our first story is actually something I touched on yesterday. So, chugga, 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 train is moving across the countryside. Yesterday, I told a story and I said, I don't even know if it's true. I don't even know if my recollection of it was true because I couldn't find it anywhere online. Couldn't find any bookmarks for it. It was about a man who I said was in Malaysia who built a box to hide underneath in a woman's restroom. Well, I found it. I actually found the story, so I wanted to go in a little more detail with this one. It's fairly short. William, go ahead. I see see you're already going to Malaysia. No, no, no. Turn left. We're headed to New York City. I was way off. That was just off the top of my head. I thought it took place in Malaysia. Chugga, 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 chugga. We're headed to New York City. It's February 13th, 1992. It's one day before Valentine's Day. Everyone's looking for love. But Joseph Cornetta, 31-year-old resident of New York, had something else in mind. He built a coffin-sized box and took it into a woman's restroom at a place that he worked. He was the plumber. So it kind of makes sense. That's a good cover story. Plumbers walking into bathrooms. I mean, they normally don't disappear. They normally don't walk in and then never walk out. But he built this coffin-sized box, wrapped it in brown wrapping paper, and would go into the women's room. Ra- it was there all the time. So now I have more information and kind of fill you in. You're like, Jason, I don't want you to fill me in. The story was gross yesterday. He built this coffin-sized box, and it was there all the time, and you had to step up on it to wash your hands or to look in the mirror. Every so often, he would go in when there was no one there. And again, that gets perfect cover as a plumber. It's almost like his whole life led up to this scheme. He builds this coffin-sized box. He would go and he would hide in it, and women would have to step on it to use the sink, and he would look up their skirts. The way that his scheme unraveled was that a woman saw a creepy guy go into the woman's restroom, and she, she reported it. She goes, that's weird. She sees this guy go in. He never comes out. So she actually alerts security, and a female security guard goes in there, and she's looking around. 
She's like, that is weird, because this woman just saw this guy come in a while ago, and he's never come out. Maybe it was a ghost. Maybe it was a ghost plumber. Then she's like in the bathroom. She goes, I might as well wash my hands. So she steps up on the platform, and she falls through it. She falls on top of this guy. Now, it's coffin size, so she didn't like plummet like 10 feet, but she fell on top of this guy. She jumps off of the platform and lifts it up. Apparently, she's She-Hulk. Apparently, the wooden coffin can't hold her, and she can also just pick it up. And when she picked it up, underneath it was Joseph Cornett, and he was charged with third-degree burglary. That's weird. I get Maybe they didn't have voyeurism laws back then in New York. They might not have them nowadays, for all I know. But that is a true story. I didn't dream it up. I did find it in a book of wacky news, and I put something in the show notes so you can look at it yourself if you're so inclined. But I wanted to go ahead and clear that one up. William, I'm going to toss you the keys to the Dead Rabbit Dirigible. We are headed out to... I did not plan this story to fall on this date. It was supposed to be on yesterday's episode. Supposed to come out yesterday. I'm going to toss you the keys of the Dead Rabbit Dirigible. We are headed to the United States Congress. This is not political. This has nothing to do with what happened recently at all. But we do have to go to Congress for this story. We're flying back to the United States Congress. And after flying to the United States Congress, we have a little meeting set up like a table. That's all. It's a folding table and a couple of chairs in the Dead Rabbit Dirigible. We're all sitting around it and I go, okay, guys, it's a bizarre story that's going on. I got an email from Scott and he turned me on to the story. So I tip a little hat to Scott. I see him sitting at the table. Thank you very much for sending this my way. What's happened is... Recently, at the end of December, Congress passed a $2.3 trillion relief bill. And in it, this if you're not familiar with American politics or, or American lawmaking, I don't know if other countries do this. It's something that America does. And every, every stripe of the political divide hates this part. But you can have a bill that's for <laughs> legislation, uh, relief legislation, you know, like, helping businesses and things like that, economy building. And then you can just throw in a bill. You can be like, oh, I have this bill that I wrote last summer that I know won't pass otherwise, so I'm going to put it in this larger bill. And you don't have time to read all 5,000 pages of the legislation. You just go, oh, my constituents want me to take care of this, so hopefully there's nothing totally evil in this bill. They do it all the time. You'll see them pass a bill like a defense bill, to fund the military, and then there'll be, like, a bill to build a fly fishing arena for 10 dudes in the middle of Alaska. It happens all the time. This time, though, it's pretty dope. (laughs) All those other times, it was a total scam and a ripoff. Shame on you, politicians. But this time, it's dope. What happened was, Senator Marco Rubio from Florida drafted this bill called the Intelligence Authorization Act for Fiscal Year 2021. And this is what this says. This is groundbreaking stuff. The Pentagon and the FBI have 180 days from the passage of the bill. This is, this is not conspiracy theory. You can look at these links. These are all real. This is mainstream news. I'll have it in the show notes. You can Google it yourself and it'll pop up like CNN, C-SPAN, military.com, all this stuff. The Pentagon and the FBI have 180 days from the passage of the bill, and it's already passed. It passed at the end of December. To reveal what they know about unidentified aerial phenomenon, a.k.a. anomalous aerial vehicles, a.k.a. UFOs. From the passage of that bill, I think it was passed on like the 28th to the 29th of December, the Pentagon and the FBI have to reveal 
what they know. Now, this bill requires a portion of it to be unclassified material and needs to be available to the public. However, because of the sensitive nature of the matter, there is part of the bill also says you can't have a classified component that only like the armed services committees see in Congress. But the senators are... Here's the thing. They go, listen, if something's going on that's a threat to national security, Congress needs to know about it. If it's something that's going on that's so beyond our capabilities, the elected representatives need to know about it. The military can't keep these secrets. Here's a couple portions of this bill. <laughs> Listen to this to hear you. This isn't a policy wonk podcast. Let me read you this because this is, the wording is very, very important in this bill. What they're requesting, well, this is one of the things they're requesting in this bill. They want, quote, the identification of potential aerospace or other threats posed by the unidentified aerial phenomenon to national security and an assessment of whether this unidentified aerial phenomenon activity may be attributed to one or more foreign adversaries. So it's not necessarily saying we want to know that a bunch of greys are invading. They're saying we want to know what you know. Does China have this technology? Does Russia have this technology? Does North Korea have this technology? Does question mark have this technology? Another thing they're requesting is, quote, identification of any incidents or patterns that indicate a potential adversary may have achieved breakthrough aerospace capabilities that could put United States strategic or conventional forces at risk, unquote. So that goes back to that thing, because all of the sightings of UFOs, they all break the what we know as the laws of physics. So has an earthly adversary gained this technology and you're hiding it from us for whatever reason we need to know that 180 days countdown started in december it's going to put us somewhere in the beginning of july when this report is due and you know what's interesting about it like on the one hand i can see congress going we want to know about threats to the nation we're elected representatives we want to know what the threats are Pentagon tell us. What I find really odd about this is that the FBI is particularly called out. They do say other agencies that are adjacent to the Pentagon and FBI need to comply to this as well, but those were the two that were named in the... It's not even a request. This is law. They have to do this. But why the FBI? You know, obviously it makes you think of the X-Files, right? (laughs) Because the FBI is investigating aliens and ghosts and hillbillies eating their own kids. Why, like, what are they doing doing with the UFO phenomenon? Here's an interesting part of this bill. What they're requesting from the FBI is, quote, a detailed analysis of the data of the FBI, which was derived from investigations of intrusions of unidentified aerial phenomenon data over restricted United States airspace. So apparently, Marco Rubio and a bunch of other people in Congress know that the FBI has currently, or in the recent past, been looking into unidentified aerial phenomenon over the United States. Now, we always know it's like the military, right? Like, that's a given. The FBI is particularly called out. We want all the information you have about investigations because they know they're running them. We want that paperwork. We want to know what you know. So this 
had popped up in the news uh, uh, about a week or two ago. I think it was towards the end of my break, and I was going to cover it, but Scott's email kind of made me ramp it up, because Scott's email added another wrinkle to the case. Seven years ago, there was a Reddit thread posted by a man with the account Throwaway Alien. Now, he's not throwing away aliens. He's, the account's named that, because he goes, this is a th- actually the first line of his post is, Throwaway account, because I'm afraid. If you're not familiar with Reddit, a throwaway account is you start it up just for one thread and then you get rid of it. So no one can find out who you really are. He tells a story. He was first abducted when he was 12 years old back in 1987. And, and it's a really interesting read. It's odd because his account is very nonchalant. Even though at the beginning he states that he's afraid, it's very nonchalant the way he talks about it. First off, he dispels a bunch of myths. He says, uh, there's no probing. That's everyone's first question, right? Even if, like, if someone tells you... That's why a lot of abductees don't come forward. Because a lot of people go, oh, did you get probed? I mean, maybe they're not that blunt about it, but that's always the joke, right? He goes, I was abducted when I was 12, and I get abducted every couple years. Generally, once they abduct you, they keep abducting you. And he goes, even the word abduction's not the right thing. He goes, you're invited onto the ship. And we've covered that a lot on this show. Where the aliens will be like, do you want to come with us? And people are like, no. And the aliens are like, okay. And they leave. And then you have the people who get abducted, but they're like, I lost time. And you wonder at a certain point, did they give permission? And then they just got in too deep over their head. He says, you're not really abducted. They ask you and then you go along. But at that point, then they just kind of keep showing up. Open that door once. You're not going to be able to close it. He says, "Um, I've seen people cut open, like put to sleep and cut open and They fiddle around with people, but then they sew them back up and the guy's fine. He goes, the worst thing that he can recall really happening to him was them taking tissue samples. They take tissue samples off your lower back or your buttocks, which would be interesting because that could be where the probing story comes from. But he goes, a lot of stuff they do is very uninvasive. Is that a term? Not non-invasive, I think, is the actual term. Fairly gentle. He says they would show him... Earth television shows. And we're talking about gray aliens. What he's describing is gray aliens. And he also says this, another thing we've come across a lot on the show, he goes, they're not really gray. Like they are, they're kind of a beige, but their skin is a suit. Their bodies, that's a suit they wear. It's a super tight space suit. And we've, come, we've covered that a lot on this show. They're not little naked dudes walking around. It's a really, really tight suit they're wearing. He says they would show him television shows and they would just watch him. They would gauge his response to it. He's watching Webster. He's like, what? This show sucks. Put back on different strokes. Were those shows even on in 1987? They were showing him GoBots. He's like, what? This sucks. Put back on Transformers. He goes, the aliens basically showed no emotions, but two of them. They would show sadness from time to time. And then they would show irritation when you asked them questions. They hated it. They absolutely hated it. They'd ask you questions nonstop as they're running these studies on you. But if you started asking them questions, they're totally done with them. They don't, they don't want to hear it at all. He also said that although they can beam, and this is weird too, because I've seen this so many times in the stories we covered, and I never even really questioned it. I didn't even really think of it. There's so many times where the gray aliens show up and they're beaming telepathic messages into some farmer's head. Do you want to eat some pancakes? And the farmer says, sure, I'll eat some pancakes. 
He says the great aliens can beam telepathic messages into your head, but they can't read your mind. You have to verbally answer them. That's weird because that happens all the time. I never thought of that before. So many times the people are talking and the aliens are using telepathy because the aliens can't read our minds. According to Throwaway Alien, he says they're, he goes, you can never verbally talk to these guys. He goes, they're, he described their languages sounding like, mm, <laughs> like that uh, Crash Test Dummy song. Mm, it was like this weird, mm, <laughs> it's weird noise. Once there was a boy. He, he also compared it to like the sound of a trumpet. I'm not going to do a trumpet sound because I know some of you guys listen to this show while you're falling asleep. Interesting little tidbit to this. He says that they actually love earth music. Two types of music in particular. I've always theorized, do, would aliens even be able to comprehend music? If you went to an alien planet, could you comprehend their music? Like, would it make, would you be able to tell it was a musical arrangement on another planet? I've always been curious about that. But he goes, aliens love bluegrass, bluegrass music. Come on down the swamp. I actually don't know what bluegrass music sounds like, but I assume it sounds like that. Come on. I'm not going to keep trying to do bluegrass music, but I imagine the word swamps in it a lot. They also love the sound of this African instrument called the shikir. It's like a gourd. It's a percussion instrument. It's this gourd that has these like strings on it. Come on down to the swamp right now. I don't know what that instrument sounds like either. I kind of looked it up, but I was too busy reading about a man hiding in a woman's restroom in a coffin. I don't know. This is interesting because he says their voices sound like a trumpet. This would kind of make sense. But he says their voices remind him of a trumpet. And it also sounds like, like this hum thing. So maybe a blend of the two. As much as I talk trash about gray aliens, I will agree with him on this. He said gray aliens hate jazz. They despise jazz music. Which I can just imagine the aliens are like flipping through Earth television stations trying to find something for this dude to watch. And they come across like PBS Jazz Hour. And the aliens are like, ah, they're like ships going out of control. Everyone's trying to hold their ears and pilot an interstellar craft at the same time. Hurry up, change it, change it. They hate jazz. They hate jazz. And they, they hate classical music. I almost feel like I've, I almost feel like I've had so much hate and anger towards the Greys, and then this could bring us together because I also despise <laughs> classical music and jazz. I feel like maybe they, maybe they are my space brothers. Maybe they can come on down to the swamp with me and listen to some bluegrass music. He says they've been here for like 10, 20,000 years. He says these monitors on this screen, could he said these monitors that they're looking at would show him images of the past. So he actually saw them. This is a really interesting note. He said that I saw the aliens at the construction of the pyramids. He didn't say they were building them because we have a lot of good theories of how humans could build the pyramids. So I think he could have easily just said, I saw the aliens build the pyramids. And then you'd be like, oh, uh, you're like, Jason, that's the part where you zone out on the story, all these other claims. Well, yeah, they hate jazz. I hate jazz. That makes sense. He says they he saw them at the building of the pyramids, not building them 
themselves. So that was an interesting detail. Because again, he could have easily just said, if he's making it up, make up parts of the popular mythos. He also said that he saw footage of this massive stone building, like this giant stone tower, somewhere in Europe 10,000 years ago. And it had would have been demolished in the meantime. So the whole lost civilization thing, that's a really cool visual story on that as well. And so and, and it's interesting because he he go that's pretty much the end of it. He kind of wraps it up with that. And he's basically open to questions. And then his he has this original thread, and then at the bottom it says edit. He's edited it at a certain point. The edit was also seven years ago. The last thing he wrote was no more questions. They are not happy with me. Sorry. And the account has never been used since. It's only been used on that one single thread. It's never been used since. He did answer someone's question and they were like, what do the aliens think about nukes? Do they want to stop war? And he goes, no, they don't really care about nukes. He goes, at least they never asked me about nukes. He goes, at one point, they did show me some footage of them abducting some soldiers during World War One. They did seem pretty curious about human wars. They didn't really care about nukes. A lot of times, nuclear disarmament and environmental stuff. Aliens are always trying to want to clean up our environment, stuff like that, or disable our nukes. Because they never even never even brought that up. And this guy's been being abducted from 1987 to, what, seven years ago, 2013. That's a lot of time to be hanging out with gray aliens and them never bringing it up. And he never mentioned the environmental thing as well, so that was interesting. So what does this have to do with Congress? This Reddit thread that was set up seven years ago, this account has not been used since. He says in this post, the gray aliens told me they were going to make themselves known to the world in July of 2021. He goes, it's either, he goes, it's kind of hard to understand them sometimes. You <laughs> know, with the constant humming in your ear. He goes, they either said July 8th or July 18th, 2021. But he says that's when the gray aliens are going to let everyone know they're here. And so the reason why this thread has just been gathering dust over the past seven years, the reason why it's taken flight now, no pun intended, the reason why it's in hyperspace now is because July is six months after the passage of this bill, where the Pentagon and the FBI and any adjacent group has to tell America and more secretive stuff to the members of Congress, but they have to reveal what they know about UFOs, unidentified aerial vehicles. So a bizarre coincidence? Did this guy know this? Are aliens such a master of reality that they could see into the future and they go, well, eventually, you know, some dude in Florida is going to write this bill and he's going to sneak it in during this relief package and we're just going to tell this kid? Or is it possible... That Marco Rubio is a gray alien. No, I'm just joking. Is it possible that it, there are aliens behind this bill as well? I guess that's just as ridiculous as saying Marco Rubio. But you know what I mean? Like, maybe there are forces saying it's time. Or actually, maybe. There's a lot of maybes in this. But maybe they know the aliens are coming in July. And this way, it kind of gives everyone an out. If the Congress announces, hey, look, at we know that these things are from out of this world. And then a bunch of ships flow up and they're like, hey, look at it. We didn't lie to you. We actually told you the truth. It's The most likely scenario is it's a super weird coincidence. Like the rational scenario, super weird coincidence. But a coincidence nonetheless, and as Garrick once said, I believe in coincidences. Coincidences happen all the time. 
I don't trust coincidences. So we'll see what happens. It, will it be another date that just passes? And and th- th- actually, no, this is interesting because it won't be. The Pentagon and the FBI have to reveal that information. The information could be there is, n- it's, it's all this. It's all Chinese technology. It used to be Soviet technology. It could be that. And that would answer a whole lot of questions. Or it could be the Pentagon's just straight up go. We don't know what these things are. They're not from around here. So this isn't, Scott goes in his email, he goes, I thought it was just one of those, one of those many fake into the world things that pops up every single month in the conspiracy theory community. And I go, no, this is real. The bill is real. So the date won't, something will happen in July. At the very least, we're going to get information from armed services and the Federal Bureau of Investigation involving UFOs. At the very, very least. And at the most, come on down to the swamp for me. We see a bunch of UFOs float. I'm all like, my galactic brothers. The first thing they do is they destroy every jazz bar. (laughs) Just doing that, I walk in with a bat. I'm like, I'm with the aliens now. Smashing tubas. We don't have time for the full gaming story I wanted to tell, but I wanted to wet your whistle. wanted to wet your whistle with this one. William Bertels, I'm going to toss you the keys to the Carpenter Copter very quickly. We are going to fly on out to Sacramento, California. Have this whole segment, we'll do it Monday, about how video games may be becoming more self-aware than we think. And not super advanced video games, but like basic games being played so often that they may actually start to turn on the players. We've got some cool cool stories for you involving that. But in the video game realm, William, land the Carpenter Copter right here by uh, American River College, where longtime listeners of the show know that I went to college some of my happiest years. I've had a, a lot of them, so it's it's tough competition, but I my, some of my happiest years were at American River College. I'd always go to the Jack in the Box. You can take this journey yourself if you're in Sacramento, guys. I'd go to the Jack in the Box and I'd get a chicken teriyaki rice bowl. Drink a Coke. I'd go back to school. (laughs) Jason, that's not how you're going to wrap up this episode. No, it's not just product placement. One time, though, I remember I was on a bus for some reason. The Jack in the Box has nothing to do with this story. I just really like chicken teriyaki rice bowls. And I'd also get a large order of jalapeno poppers. But, and the egg roll. But one time I was on a bus driving through this area. So there's like a little shopping center. There used to be a military surplus store with who I could only describe the guy who owned it as a domestic terrorist. He was basically Otto from The Simpsons. Every time you walked in there, because I always wanted to like buy pants, buy like cool army pants. Um, you always thought that the feds were going to raid it at any point. He did not want customers in there. I swear he was selling weapons from in, in the back. One time I'm taking a bus through this area and I look out the window as the bus is driving. I look out the side window and I see two men walking down the road. There's a shorter, overweight man and a taller, skinny man. They, this is, <laughs> this is how I'm ending my Friday episode, but this story is true. Tall, skinny man, short, overweight man. Both of them have mustaches. The shorter man is wearing red. He's like wearing a red shirt and blue pants. And the tall, skinny guy is wearing a green cap, a green t-shirt, and blue pants. And I'm like, those 
these guys kind of look like Mario and Luigi. Right? <laughs> hold on, hold on. Don't, don't click off. Don't click off yet. I'm like, those guys kind of look like Mario and Luigi. Now, the bus is driving. If I was in my car, I totally would have stopped and asked them, Hey, are you Mario and Luigi? But I didn't have that power. The bus is driving by, and I see them in some sort of animated argument. Like, it's overblown. Like, you know how people argue in a silent film? Like that. It's exaggerated argument as they're walking down the street. And then, to make it even more, like, some bizarre scene, Mario, he has a red baseball cap on. He takes his cap off and hits Luigi over the head with it. And Luigi covers up his head with both hands like someone just hit him in the head with a baseball bat. And he it's so animated. I can't hear anything, but he covers up his head with both his hands. And I see his mouth go, ow! Like super ridiculous. And I remember the bus driving and I am craning my neck now and I see them just continuing to walk down the street. I'm pretty sure... That was actually Mario and Luigi. Now, again, it's probably not. <laughs> They're probably not 8-bit characters in the real world. I found the whole thing so bizarre. Everything was perfect about it. The way they were dressed, the way they looked. If anything was different. And the thing that pushed it over the edge was their over-the-edge antics. It's like watching a real-life Three Stooges. Like, if you took your hat off, take your hat off right now. Go buy a hat and sit down next to someone and hit them on the head with your hat. They're going to be like, what? What would you do that for, man? <laughs> Maybe they're sleeping and they're like, ah, ah what was that? They're, at no point will they hold their head with both their hands and go, ow! Unless they're a newborn baby. And <laughs> you hit them in the fontanella and don't do that. If the person next to you is, is younger than a year, don't do that. Actually, don't do that to any child, but there was something so... It was like, I it was so bizarre. It wasn't the most bizarre thing I've ever seen. It wasn't even in the top 1,000 bizarre things I've ever seen, but it's a good way to end the Friday's episode, and it's a good cliffhanger for Monday's episode. Is it possible that you play a video game for so long that it becomes self-aware? And it knows... You are a human player trying to control its destiny. We'll explore that story and more next week on Dead Rabbit Radio. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be your email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Yes, I did find it in Friday's episode on a story about an overweight man and a skinny man getting hit with a hat. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day. I'm glad you guys listened to today. I love you guys. Have a great weekend. I'll see you Monday.